Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning. Good grief. We've got liftoff here. Home improvement. Two hours. Scott Mosby at the helm. I am live and lively, as Mike Miller likes to say here on the Uh, garden hotline previous to me and we've got lots of things to talk about the lumber futures lots of things that have been happening with all the kaflui that's happened this week with russia ukraine certainly the news that you've heard all of the economic uh uh, unfolding of inflation uh suffice suffice it to say folks uh lumber futures are still high uh, and what that means to you is uh you know for example a couple of years ago, before this whole pandemic thing hit, uh, lumber prices were three hundred fifty dollars per thousand board. For, you know, it'd be like, a, you know, uh, a reasonable price for um, a board foot. So one board foot was, you know, thirty five cents. Now we're up to eleven hundred, twelve hundred, and in March, the most recent with this whole thing this week, now the March futures of a thousand board feet are thirteen hundred or a dollar thirty per board foot board foot being 12 inches by 12 inches by one inch thick so uh, and it's a measurement for the housing market anyway my name is Scott Mosby I own Mosby Building Arts Uh, I love this stuff I love doing this radio show I'm not going anywhere I know my friend uh, Rich Orris from Mosby Building Arts has been on covering for me I am coming post pandemic and all of the travels you know all the stuff you and I are dreaming of well you know we're vaccinated every which way but loose we're uh, pretty well prepared and 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 schooled for what happens if that you know i'm doing a lot of traveling and i'm enjoying it so thank you very much i appreciate your uh um joining me this morning but also uh with rich Orris, deep 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 um appreciation to rich and frankly his knowledge and care because uh, this relationship I have with you is very important to me, and um, you know I, I, I have to be there. And uh, the reason Rich Oris is on the air is primarily because of his knowledge. Rich is a very smart guy, knows a lot about a lot of things, and can communicate to those pieces. So it's kind of a you know it's a handful to turn over um, my trust to somebody uh, for you. Uh, You trust me, and I feel that responsibility to you, as does KMOX, because, you know, it is uh, the Mighty Mox. We've been around since 1925. It's a big deal. We take this trust, this whole relationship, very seriously. Phone lines are open, so let's bring them on. Let's get going. 314-436-7900-436-7900. A lot to talk about with the weather, uh, the futures, the whole housing market that's coming forward. Maybe you You've had some frozen pipes. Uh, we'll talk about that, other things. I also want to get into a few of the topics that I want to uh, uh, really just kind of, you know, bounce off of you. You know, waterproofing a finished basement. Uh, you know, what about window condensation with all the snow and ice we had? You know, we're heating more. Uh, what about dripping windows? Also, uh, how about your garage door? When that snow came and now the warming and it's going to freeze at night again tonight, You, you your garage door can literally stick to the concrete on the bottom and then as we get later into this week of all silly things here you know if you don't like the weather in st louis just wait a few minutes it'll change you know that one too we're going to talk about and this is bizarre 
but it's if I'm, I'm made the way I am. You know, if you don't like it, you know, uh, thank the good almighty for uh, my interest in this stuff. What causes a wet garage floor? So as we get into this week later on and the middle of the week, by Wednesday, the low on Wednesday will be warmer by 7 or 8 degrees, according to the forecast, than our high temperature today. So what does that do? And I'm going to, so if you've ever had a wet concrete garage floor on a day with the sun shining, it's good weather, and you're one, usually it happens in the springtime. But now, you know, we're flirting. And I, I promise, you know, we're at the end of February here. We're sneaking up on March. So spring is just around the corner. We're going to do, you know, it's St. Louis. We're going to have some pretty weird weather things and something. So anyway, I'm going to run you through that. Uh, waterproofing a finished basement. Uh, worry about window condensation. Cause about Talk about that a little bit just for your awareness. Garage doors sticking in winter. Because what happens is when that snow melts, turns to water, garage still sitting on the floor. Sun goes down, temperature drops, that ice just freezes your garage door stuck to the concrete on the bottom. Anyway, phone lines 314-436-7900, toll free 800-925-1120. I have a lot to talk about because even though I'm uh, kind of on R&R, if you rest and relaxation, uh, buzzing around, my health is good, everything's just fantastic in my life. So please don't worry when I'm off the air because I'm going to be off a good bit here for the next couple of months. Um, and, And I just want you to know I'm having a good time. And it involves sunshine and warm temperatures. So, I, you know, we'll talk about that more. But anyway, as it gets into the dynamics of the housing market, uh, what happens to uh, home remodeling, home building, uh, pricing of homes, appreciation. Um, and we've got some, you know, my job, frankly, is to run around and look for the future. Uh, my I think of me as the hood ornament on the front of the car. I get there a little before others. I can afford the time. I have the connections, and I love to travel. And I'm finding out what comes next. And so anybody who's got some inkling, uh, whether it's true or not, I'm listening to what comes next. And I love it as it relates to the housing industry because, you know, now we're two years into this pandemic. Now we've got Ukraine, uh, we've got incredible um, inflation, uh, historic inflation, uh, we've got uh, monetary policy at the Fed level that is talking about uh, correcting and affecting social ills of our society. Man, we are, may you live in interesting times. Well, boy, howdy, brother, we're living in interesting times. Anyway, Scott Mosby here. Give me a call. I'm a little lonely here. Uh, I missed you for the last few weeks. 800-925-1120. I have one promise to you. I'll give you my best. Good, bad, or ugly, I'll give you all I have. And uh, if I don't know the answer, uh, I'll, I'll ask for help uh, because uh, all of you are smarter than one of me. Yeah, it ain't rocket science. Scott Mosby, KMWX, 314 436 1120 can you tell I'm back? I'm black, glad to be back. Anyway, we're going to take a short pause, come back for more here on University of KMOX. Scott Mosby at your service. Folks, it's all about you. I want to make you smile, and I want to help you get to where you're going. And, you know, that makes my day. Scott Mosby, back in a moment. Wow. 
Wow. All right, baby. We are getting started here on Saturday morning. As I had promised, we've got phone lines open 314-436-7900-800-925-1120, wherever you are on the face of the globe. If you have internet and phone, you can get to us from there. Uh, let's get right to the phone lines here. We've got some good calls and great questions, and uh, I love talking about this stuff. Let's go to my friend Jim. Hey, Jim, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you, my friend? Hi, Scott. Uh, glad, glad to hear you're back. Oh, yeah. All's well here in uh, Mosbyville. Okay. Hey, I've got an older house. It was built, I guess, in the mid-60s. And uh, I had uh, two bathrooms. You know, they're back-to-back bathrooms. And I had the old-style toilets, you know, the five-gallon flush. And we did a, a little light remodeling in one bathroom and had, a, you know, one of the newer, you know, fast-flush toilets put in. It's a Champion 4. And it's got a four-inch flush valve. And oh, anyway, the, pro- the problem I'm having now is when you flush the one, I'm sure, you, I'm sure you're very familiar with it. You flush one, and the vacuum sucks water out of the other one. Yeah. And um, I still got the old cast iron piping coming from the basement up to the toilet, and I've got the uh, cross T fitting. And from what I'm told now is that that needs to be replaced with the Y fitting. Yeah, offset wise. Offset wise, well, that you are, you are getting the straight dope. This is all straight down the line and true. Is there any is there any easier alternative rather than have somebody come in and cut out all that cast iron and uh, and and put the Y in? I mean, is there any is there any magic cure to it? I know this yep. uh, the champion's got a four inch flush valve, and uh, one guy told me that if I go with a different toilet with a with a three inch or something like that, that it wouldn't do it. But I don't yep. know if that makes sense or not. Makes perfect sense here. Absolutely. You're you're getting the straight and skinny on all of this. And this is one of the, when I talk about technology and it not getting along with the existing house, do they all play nicely together? This is the Mac Daddy perfect straight down the middle example of new technology of flushing systems, class four. I mean, you can flush a jet plane down that toilet. Well, the <laughs> consequence of that is it, it sucks through every orifice, through the toilets, and you know it even draws a, a vacuum against the P-trap in your shower or your tubs because it's, it's trying to force an enormous amount of, uh, uh, of, of pressure down through the same pipe that, you know, the water used to just kind of trickle down there quietly. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so I mean, it, it is true then that if I went to a, a different toilet with a smaller flush valve rather than a four-inch, if I went to, like, a, a three-inch flush valve, would that, I mean, would that take care yeah. of the problem? Yeah, you need to back off the the class one, two, three, one, three, four, five, and all that. The, the higher the number is, the more it does not get along with your existing plumbing uh, cast iron uh, Christmas tree downstairs. Uh, and, and now the, the new way they do it is they have a Y, and then there has to be, and I'm not a plumber, but there has to be two feet or something like that between the Y from one toilet and the other one's down below another two or three feet down below so that it's more circuitous and it won't actually draw the water out of the toilet bowl of the other bathroom when you flush it but this class four flushing system and and they work i mean they're that you know and all their warranties are good yeah it'll do that the consequence is it doesn't quite play well with your 1960s house plumbing so what route would you really recommend to go would you go with uh replacing the cast iron pipe with the y or would you yank the toilet out and put one with a like a three or 
Korean flush valve or something in there? Well, it depends what you want, because sometime in the next 10 years, you're going to wind up wrestling with that cast iron down in the basement. You're, you're 1960. You're now 60 years newer than that. Cast iron life is somewhere between 60 and 80, depending upon, um, you know, which how thick the cast iron was in the 60s. And, and you, you're, you might make it, you know, it might be 10 or 15 years before you start getting little pock leaks and rusts on your stack. Well, you know, so sooner or later, you're going to change that stack. If you want, and, and this is where it comes back to the consumer, if you want a class four fl- flushing system, then you need to bring that stack up to, to you know, current um, uh, fluid dynamics, if you will. Now, you can back off and get a regular old 1.6-gallon flush, flush, you know, class 3 flushing system toilet, and it'll all get along just fine. And if you flush one bathroom, even with that, you'll see the water move in the other bathroom. If somebody's standing there watching the other toilet bowl, they'll see that water move up and down like you're, you know, on a train moving or something. And that's the flush, that's still the... You know, because now our 1.6 gallon flush low water flow toilets, they have a an, an um, enhanced flushing system from your old 3.5 gallon ones from 1960. But if I have that cast iron replaced with a Y and then flush it, you won't see all the movement in the other toilet. Yeah, you'll see a little bit of movement because it's a class four. It's still a jet engine, you know, trying to flush down a, you know, a mountainside. But the water will move. It just won't suck the water out of the bowl. We've had, you know, we learned this the hard way, you know, just like you are. Um, yeah, you know, right, right. Remodel a couple of bathrooms. All of a sudden, you've got no water in one of the toilets. Hey, Mosby, I thought you were smarter than that. <laughs> it's like, well, I thought we were smarter than that, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it catches up with us all, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, the world and technology. So if you want that class four, if this were my house, Jim, I'd change the cast iron just because I know I'm going to dance with this devil sometime in the next 10 years. All you get to do is pick when you want to dance. Right. (laughs) Putting off the inevitable, right? Right, right. It's coming. Yeah. Okay. Well, Scott, listen, I certainly appreciate your show and I appreciate your knowledge. And I appreciate you being, you know, so thorough and not uh, not cutting us off, you know, with a quick answer. I mean, it's uh, it, it's greatly appreciated. Well, I'm the guy that the you know the the producer on the side of the stage hooks to get him off because he won't shut up. That's me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of got that same that same deal, you know. So anyway, I'll I'll get off and let uh, let you go to another caller. And uh, again, thank you, and have a good rest of the weekend. Thanks, Jim. Good luck, my friend. Okay, thank you. Bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Boy, howdy, that's a good question to come back to. That touches on a lot of things. And, you know, I'll just I'll explain a little bit more of what and why this is. So Jim has two back-to-back toilets, probably second floor, maybe first floor, but, you know, one is for, you know, maybe the master, and then the other bathroom serves the hallway up, uh, the three bedrooms or two on the second floor, whatever it is. Well, the way that plumbing is, and if it's on the main floor, you can see this stack, you know, the cast iron big black pipe coming straight down, going down into the concrete floor in the basement. There is, as Jim explains it, a T, which is not, in 1960, that wasn't even good plumbing. You know, typically it's a Y where a 45 degree angle pipe comes off. Well, they used to put in what's called a double Y, 
uh, and that means that you've got a top and a bottom, usually four inch, and then you've got a 45 degree on the right side and a 45 degree on the left side. Well, that was fine with three and a half gallon gravity flush where the water just kind of comes down the pipe. Now you get, you know, Kohler, American Standard, Gerber, all of these guys trying to get better flushing systems after we, Congress said we had to go to a 1.6 gallon flush. The pipes, the whole fluid dynamics of every building in the United States was set up for a three and a half gallon charge of water to carry anything in that toilet bowl away. So consequently, everything was gravity drained. Well, you go to 1.6, they make these um, rocket uh, flushing systems and it doesn't get along well. So now they take that 45, what's called a double Y, and you have a single Y, and you put one kind of up at the top, and you put the other one, you know, ideally four or five feet down below at the bottom. And it it makes, you know, there's a lot more pipes going on down there. But frankly, the age of his, of Jim's cast iron uh, stack down in the basement suggests that it has 10 to 15 years of life maximum in it. I mean, it could it could uh, start leaking tomorrow. So, you know, frankly, it's which technology do you want to support? Well, Jim's already, you know, bought some nice toilets, and they, they will work fine. I would change the plumbing on that. So anyway, that was my advice. A 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Scott Mosby, this is the Camwex Home Improvement Show. I'm glad to be here. We're going to take a short pause and come right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby here. Hey, folks, I promise that snow's going away. I have it on good authority, so there's a little bit around. I I know what the deal is here. But the point being that when we get into, for example, coming up Wednesday this week, I mean, good night. It's going to be a high of in the mid-60s, and the low is going to be 5, 10 degrees warmer than today's high, 41 degrees. I mean, and sunny. So, I mean, like today, it's a nice day, a beautiful day, frankly. But, you know, golly, it's chilly. Uh, so, anyway, hang, hang on. Stay the course. Uh, this, too, will work out. Um, phone lines are open, 314-436-7900, 436-7900. 800-925-1120. I promised I'd get into a little bit more on lumber futures. I know you, a bunch of you folks are planning uh, to new homes and home remodeling and do-it-yourself projects, and that lumber aisle is, um, you know, guarded like Fort Knox now. Let's go to my friend Chris and see what's cooking. Hey, Chris, good morning. Welcome to CamoX. How can I help you today? Hey, good morning, Scott. Thanks for taking the call. I really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, I, I can really tell your enthusiasm for helping people out is palpable. So I really appreciate that. Um, we have a uh, corner of our foundation where we're starting. We get a lot of water. Um, if I can paint the picture here, there's three windows. They're not true egress windows, but they're kind of have an encasement where the window casing is about three feet below grade. Um, and then what happens, we're, we're at the bottom of a hill, so in the spring when we get a lot of runoff um, on one corner of the basement, we'll just get a little bit of water that kind of goes over that metal well. I, I don't yeah. even know the term that they use. Uh, and it'll flow down, down into the corner of the basement, so we get a little standing water there, uh, only in severe rains, which seems to be happening more and more. <laughs> I'm just kind of thinking of uh, trying to spitball different ideas to figure out ways to mitigate 
water into our basement. Um, obviously, the the one would be, I think, changing the grade slightly to push the water away from the home, um, just because we're planning a, a basement refinishing project here soon. Um, but I'm just trying to think of other ideas that I need to consider here. You know, I've considered maybe putting in a sump pit. Uh, I don't know if that'll necessarily help um, with water getting into the basement there. Um, but, are, you know, just any other considerations or things I may be missing or kind of what your thoughts are? Well, I call this I call this builder one on one oh one. It's getting the grade right. Well, twenty years later, thirty years, fifty years later, the soil has all moved around and now, you know, perhaps the, the backfill, the dirt pushed up against the foundation when the house was built, maybe it's settled and so now the water's flowing and standing next to the foundation. When you have yeah. a window well and that's W E L L, that is what it's called, and uh it's it's literally a below-grade swimming pool that's only two feet deep or three feet deep, whatever it is. Those in older homes around, you know, like Jim, the first caller, his his home built in the 60s, that would have gravel all the way down to the existing outside drain tile on that foundation. So the, the plan would be for the water to soak all the way down to, frankly, the leakiest point of the basement foundation wall and footing joint and then gather in that pipe and then gravity drain somewhere away. Uh, how old is your house here, Chris? Uh, uh, built in 2014. See, that's a new house. That would have a drain tile. Something's amiss there. Uh, but I suspect you have either gravity or uh, a sump pit without a pump in the basement. Uh, if not, the point being that most definitely regrade that yard the water should not come over the edge of that sump uh or that window well which becomes then a sump an invitation to water below grade uh now even if you get that surface water draining away and and it doesn't come over the top you know in the spring saturated wind uh, rainstorms that water will actually come up into the water the window well from the bottom because the dirt six seven eight feet down below is just loaded saturated with water so yeah, even okay. if you get this point fixed, you're not going to stop this leak without putting in some sort of uh, basement dewatering, some pit, you know, pump, all that. Because once Mother Nature makes a, a route, a highway, a path for that water, uh, the erosion keeps making the path wider and wider and wider. So, you know, yeah. you, you will you will cut 70 percent of your leakage problems out by regrading your yard and keeping the water from flowing over the top of that window well. But 30% of the time in the spring times when it just rains for a month, it's still going to leak. Yeah. And then what, what would you think if I could ask one more question, when we go to refinish the basement, is there, um, I've heard maybe there's systems where you can put behind the sheetrock um, that'll help mitigate water damage. If by chance you did get some water into the basement, is there anything that you could recommend there just as a protection piece? Nothing better than a drain tile and a sump pump because all the anything that if you if water comes in behind your wood framing or steel framing i mean wood is is food drywall is food the paper on the drywall is food carpet is food the backing is you know i mean uh, yeah. you you just you have to um 
make the water a better offer, which means some sort of basement dewatering and sump pump. Um, now, as far as the wall, I do like uh, dry lot waterproofing paint on raw concrete because that's a vapor retarder that holds the moisture out from coming right through the concrete. Concrete's porous. It's like a limestone water filter. Um, uh-huh. So that's one thing, but that does not... Um, release you from the need to, you know, dewater that, that basement, you know, with whatever, you know, sump pump yeah. and collection. If you're, you know, yeah, think of it as insurance against your soon-to-be-finished basement. Sure. Nope. Completely understand. Well, very good. Well, I appreciate the time, Scott. Thanks so much for everything. Uh, even if you put in the sump pump and the drain tile here, uh, uh, Chris, uh, definitely regrade that yard because I've seen rainstorms here in the last year that I just didn't think were going to happen again. Well, Yo, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. It sounds like that's got to be issue number one. So yeah, we'll definitely regrade yeah. and then, then tackle the project. I hate to go the other way. <laughs> yeah. Well, amen. I'm, I'm right there with you, brother. Yep. Hey, thank you so much, Scott. You take it easy. Okay, Chris. Thank you. Much appreciated. Scott Mosby, KMOX, Wowzer. Hey, man, uh, we just had two um, kind of Ph.D. water level questions here. Um, anyway, just off and running, I think I'm just impressed. You know, Jim had his question about, you know, flushing one toilet on a back-to-back bathroom situation, and it draws the water out of the next bathroom on, on the other bathroom, or it moves that water, uh, that is a plumbing change and correction and is a change, believe it or not. So this is how building codes here. I'll, I'll give you this. It changed the building co- code on plumbing of what happens and why, because as technology in the world changed just by different toilets, we went to a different plumbing code. When we come back, I'm going to tell you how that affects the plumbing code and how the whole system kind of worked and corrects itself and how Jim came to be, you know, with a one flush one toilet and the other one goes dry too. Scott Mosby, KMOX Home Improvement will be right back. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, good morning. Back together, home improvement. Scott Mosby, we are sneaking up to the noon hour, lunchtime hour. Um, you know, it's it's getting friendly enough if you can, you know, make the way outside to, you know, fire up the grill. You know, you know at St. Louis, we're, we're going to have some more snow, and we're going to have some more sun, and we're going to have some more rain, and, and the, you know, on and on and on. It's an eventful time of year, so much to talk about. All right, so I promised a little bit about a what what happens with a garage floor. Uh, and if you want to get your phone uh, question in to me right now, I'll, I'll get it on the air. 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120, 436-7900, and 800-925-1120. Uh, bring it on. We've got uh, time for your call and your answer before we go to lunchtime for a pause. Next hour coming up, lots of things happening. So this, what causes a wet garage floor? Uh, normally, I get these questions, and so I'm pre-answering this question. I get these in April, um, even early May. And what happens is we go through a winter uh, that was very cold, and the concrete floor of your garage... And even some of your front and back porches, you know, your stoops, um, I I don't often see it too much on driveways because the wind and the sun tend to evaporate the water before it it, uh, shows itself. But what happens is that cold surface 
And then on a spring day, you and, and the humidity of the Midwest, you get even a relative low humidity day here in St. Louis. You know, 50%, 60%. Some of those spring days, you get 80%, even with sun shining. Well, that warm moisture in the air, you open that garage door, and all of a sudden that moist air flows into your garage and hits that cold concrete floor. And just like your iced tea glass, it condenses and those water droplets form. You can have a very slippery concrete garage floor and nothing is wrong other than the dew point, the point at which water vapor in the air goes from gaseous form vapor into solid form water. So anyway, that's kind of the deal, um, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. So as we get in here, and the reason I bring it up is when we hit 66 degrees after the last you know few weeks and month or two of winter, you could have one Mac Daddy cold base uh, garage floor uh, and a warm temperature to where you're out celebrating springtime, you know, shooting a few hoops in the back, you know, barbecuing, and it's a summer day virtually at 66 sunny. You know, and you have a wet garage floor. That's the reason why. That's the reason why. Oop, I had a caller and I lost him here just a moment. So anyway, that's the what's the deal with a, a wet garage floor? That's why. And and the issue is there's nothing wrong. It's just how the weather patterns in the middle of the country uh, manifest themselves on that. Now, I'm going to go back to the other side. Uh, because a garage door sticks. Now that could be, you know, it's funky and it's cold and the old steel and the rollers are 30, 40 years old and the garage door just bounces too much. Well, it hits the safety limit and all of a sudden it says, oh, something's wrong. I need to reverse turn around because I, I may be closing this door on a dog or a child or a resident or a car hood. So that's the purpose of the safety reverse on the garage door. But then you wind up with, um, you know, if it sits down in the closet, position and it's wet during the day you know maybe the temperature is 26 degrees but sunshine makes that snow turn into water well then it freezes and it literally can freeze your garage door shut Uh, and if that's the case then you need to get out there and chop that ice and snow out from underneath because if your garage door does open it'll probably rip the gasket off the bottom of your garage door let's go see my friend with mike to see what's cooking here hey mike good morning uh welcome how can i help you today so, quick question. We, we're building a new house, and I'm trying to make a decision about what would be the best covering for the garage floor. You know, like epoxy or those plastic grids. Um, uh-huh. Just wondering if you have any ideas on that. Oh, man, I've thought about this for years. Um, basically, if you do, uh, well, first off, what do you want it to look like? Um, the The grids, if you use the grids, all of the liquids, whether it's battery acid or paint, salt, whatever, still falls through and will deteriorate the concrete below. So even if you put a grid or a mesh or a tile system in there that lays on top of the floor, you know, when you pull that stuff out, you've got a pretty ugly-looking concrete floor. I tend to like the epoxy or polyester uh, surfaces um, because they are acid-resistant. For example, uh, in the Labity Nuclear Power Plant, all of their floors are epoxy-coated finished because they need to be resistant to all the nasty stuff and the heavy traffic and the equipment and all that. So uh, I am a fan of that. So 
if I were to put a mesh or tile or something over it, I would epoxy coat and protect that concrete anyway. Because if I sold and moved, you know, and I took the tiles with me, your, your garage floor still looks pretty good. It'll sell great, and you get a premium for the price. So that's my take on it, Mike. I tend to be um, a fan of that. Now, if if you have a damaged, already chewed up concrete garage floor, you know, on an existing garage, you know, you're talking about a lot of money to pellet blast, remove all the sins of 40, 50 years, smooth it out, and then epoxy coat it. But for you, boy, I tell you what, you'll never get this chance again, in my opinion, Mike. I would, I would, uh, you're still going to have to pellet blast it and epoxy coat it, but I would, I would go very far into that one first. Uh, and then 10 years later, if you don't like it, I'd put a tile over the top of it later. Got it. That is, that's very helpful. Yeah, new construction we can do with whatever we want, basically. So, Yeah, don't um, be surprised. They're going to strip your concrete. That's the funky part of this thing. It's like, you're going to do what? I've got brand new, you know, God's gift of con- concrete here, man. You're going to tear it apart? Yep, I am, because I need to open the pores and make this stuff play together. So, right. Yeah. Okay, that's very helpful. All right, Mike. Good luck, my friend. Thank you. Hey, what some good questions here, man. I'll tell you what, I've had a good, I hope you've had as much fun as me because uh, I'm enjoying myself. And and the problem is they lock me in a room by myself. There are windows here, but they do, you know, they don't let me out for a while. Uh, 314-436-7900, top of the hour news, weather, and sports here on KMOX coming up right now. Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, lunchtime midday. Put a few shrimp on the barbie. Have a little bit of lunchtime together. Uh, Phone lines are open for you. Bring it on. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. One full hour coming up next here. 314-436-7900-436-7900. Zeros are the big round things. You know nothing inside of them. 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I've been off for a few weeks. I'm going to be off a few more i'll be back and forth on and off and on and off as i do catch up for my three years of traveling and fun things which uh, undoubtedly you likely will as well now that we've all either caught this omicron thing and uh you know gotten past this whole covid shtick you know we aren't really past it just kind of is what it is but you know we've either had it or we've been vaccinated or we will have it and we know how to handle it. So, uh, you know, kind of that, that's the past, that's the future. Here we are. So, you know, it's no different, I guess, uh, as I was told, you know, we'll have a relationship with this, like we have with flu, you know, go and get stuck a few times or whatever you need to do to get her done. Uh, so now I'm, I'm out traveling, getting out and about because frankly, you know, the economic, uh, uh, consequences of all of this you know it's nice to get people back to work and support our restaurants Uh, i am a masker so uh, you know i typically if i'm in a situation where an employee is wearing a mask i typically just surely out of respect i just mask up as well you know it it doesn't really get into do i think it's going to help no i don't don't really but you know what that that guy's got to wear a mask i'm wearing a mask too 
So that's kind of how I do it. It's more about people respect and boundaries and, uh, um, you know, being polite than it is anything else. So, and, and I don't get that, uh, you know, politically wound up. Uh, the politics for me are more, uh, okay, so are we putting insulation in below grade foundation walls or not? You know, and that's when I get fired up. That's more about, you know, uh, because that's health and safety for me. Whereas, you know, the whole CD, it's so far above my badge level that uh, for me to render any kind of an opinion is kind of a joke. Uh, but I will render an opinion on our weather coming up here uh, because we've got rain in the forecast. It's out next weekend, but as Mother Nature does here in St. Louis, when we get a bunch of salt and, you know, uh, Think, snow melt on the roads from IDOT and MoDOT, Missouri Department of uh, Transportation, Illinois Department of Transportation. We're right here in the middle of both, you know, and their responsibilities to try and make those those pavements as safe as we can. Well, we put all that stuff on, and then the rainstorm just kind of washes it all away, you know. And then spring comes, and the rains come, and you know. Everything gets green, and off we go one more time. Anyway, phone lines, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you hadn't heard, uh, my number two caller in hour one was about waterproofing a basement corner that leaked only occasionally around the window wells. And in St. Louis, as you all well know, when it rains, sometimes it just rains for a month or a month and a half, and you never get a chance to dry anything out. It just stays wet when Mother Nature is balancing from a drought, you know, catching up, because Mother Nature does always even the score. Uh, and so we get saturated soil. What that means is there's there's water below the surface, way down eight feet below, and it is such a high concentration of water that it's just going to try and insert itself through every crack nook and cranny in your foundation and basement and that water's coming in so anyway it was interesting but i was uh, one of my topics to talk about was you know uh considering things to consider when waterproofing a finished basement number one the first thing to consider is don't have the water in a finished basement number two is fix it before you finish the basement you know because number three is water does not get along well with building materials it grows some pretty nasty things and then it becomes a health and safety issue on indoor air quality with mold mildew uh, and you know things falling apart likewise uh, I'll, I'll get into another one in the summertime we have had clients where there there was mold growing on the drywall in a house that was five years old and it was in the basement of a finished basement nice home nice finish well done everything really kind of handled but to save money they didn't air condition the basement when nobody was there well when you have a closed environment and something like that and you've got St. Louis humidity that runs, you know, in the summertime, 70%, 80%, you know, dry is 60, 60, you know, that's very warm and, and moist. So the point is that the lack of air circulating between this bedboard and the three inches to the drywall on a virtually brand new house had trapped the moisture and no circulation, and they were growing a little bit of mold and mildew all because they didn't run the air conditioner. Because once you super insulate these houses, and, you, and they had done a beautiful, this home was, from an energy standpoint, was very, very well built. Once you take control of that environment, 
with that many responsible energy efficiency um, efficient uh, actions, you now own it and you have to humidify it and dry it and cool it and heat it because now you have neutralized and isolated the weather from that environment. Now you own it. Uh, well, let's get right to my uh, phone calls. I'll, I'll get into a little bit more, but we've got phone lines open for you. 436-7900-314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Let's see what's cooking with my buddy, Carolyn. Hey, Carolyn, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on CAMWEX. How can I help you today? Thank you, Scott. Um, I have a sunroom that we converted from a porch. Um, it has a, a French doors at both ends. It's nine, uh, 8 by 19. And I'm wondering what you would recommend to help me bring some heat in in the winter. Um, in the summer, opening those French doors and turning on the ceiling fan works fine. But in the winter... It gets cold overnight, and I have tropical plants out here that I want to protect. So um, what would you recommend to bring some heat out here in the wintertime? Uh, probably an iron smelter. <laughs> I mean, and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. There's enormous amount of BTUs because your your glass is an R1. If it's really efficient, maybe R2.5 at the most. Oh. So your room plants. is, by definition, a um, a loser of heat in in overnight hours. So the amount of BTUs you need, you you I'm guessing eight by sixteen, and I'm going to throw this out here. You're going to need, golly, twenty thirty thousand BTUs per hour. Uh, a real furnace, you know, a small but a real furnace to do this. So you need a lot of heat overnight. Oh to keep that in a condition situation above 60 degrees Fahrenheit because there is nothing keeping that heat from escaping through that glass. Oh, wow. You need a boatload of heat. So there's nothing that's cost-effective that's going to solve my problem. Um, yeah, take out all that glass and put in insulated, you know, drywall and side, you know, all that. That now you get an R13, R19 wall, but then you lose all of the charm of the sunroom that you fell in love with in the first place. Yeah. So, just just by definition, um these are considered three season rooms just for this discussion and and the question you have because yeah. when you get, you know, 10 degrees Fahrenheit, 20, 30, even 40, Man, it, you know, the amount of uh, heat it takes because you're going to waste 96% of it by heating the glass and then, you know, the heat just escaping outdoors. It It is a, a huge thing. Uh, you, you will need a heating and cooling company to come in and run the heat loss calculations on that room. But suffice it to say that it's not a simple through-the-wall heater. It's, a, it's, a, it's something dandy. It's a big one, and they do have through the wall twenty thousand BTUs and twenty fives and all that, but it's it's a lot, and you're going to spend some money heating that room, which you know may be a good thing for your plants, uh, but it's it's a glass room, and and they are not energy efficient anyway. Okay, well, thank you for your expertise. I appreciate your information. 
Yeah, and it's doable, and people do this all the time, by the way, Carolyn, so it's not back off, don't do it. Um, but the other thing that happens in, in some of these visits and conversations is, you know what, for those 10 nights a year, you're just going to bring your plants inside. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Two, two of the four sides are glass, and uh, the other two are, you know, the house. Yeah. But, um, well, do you, do you have window coverings on these on this glass at night? No, I don't. And above it, um, the roof is slanted, and there's no insulation in, up there. I thought maybe that would help some. Oh, that yeah. would help enormously. Well, here, if this is only two walls and not four or three, yeah. um, window coverings, just simple, you know, the bamboo shades, just cheap uh-huh. roll them down. Yeah. That will take your windows from an R2 to about an R5 because it traps the air between the glass and that bamboo. So if you get some sort of nice insulated roll-down window covers, you can double or triple the insulative value of that glass. And then oh. if you insulate that ceiling, you can drop that heating uh, requirement maybe from 30,000 BTUs, 20,000, maybe down to 15 or something. And the, and the consequence... A 30,000 BTU through the wall heater makes a ton of noise. So even when you aren't running this thing, you know, it's roaring like a jet engine. You get a 15,000 or 12,000 and you only need that much heat. It's a little more comfortable to sit in that room when the heat's on as opposed to having this, you know, rocket thing going off. Okay. Well, I think I'll try that. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's it's a cheap date to do the glass, and frankly, you'll get more improvement out of covering that glass, even with bad window coverings from the inside. And they have to be on the inside because the outside, that dead air just gets blown away by the wind, whereas inside it stays trapped and stagnant, as in my description with that, you know, uh, headboard and basement and humidity. It, that trapped air does insulate. Okay, great. Thank you. Okay, Carolyn, thanks for the call. All right. Scott Mosby, home improvement. I'm a little windy this morning and just, you know, enjoyed Carolyn just a little too much. I'm going to take a short pause. Be back for more right after this. News, talk, sports. The voice of St. Louis, KMOX. All right, little moonwalk here across the uh, studio. Check it. Here, look. Here's my best. See? Oh, wait a minute. Give it the other side. Oh, yeah. You, you, You tracking with me here? Oh, what's that? Oh, (laughs) it's radio. Sorry, folks. Scott Mosby here, stuck in a studio. There is class, there is wind, and there is sunshine, I I promise. So anyway, just be aware. Uh, I I promised to talk about some window insulation uh, or window condensation, Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack that. We've got some good calls on the phone lines here. So as it gets to Carolyn, the previous caller's her sunroom, and she wanted to heat it better for her plants. And, uh, you know, once, once my ears opened up and I did a better job of listening, then I understood there were two glass windows. Anyway, my advice was to put window covering off of that glass. How that relates with window condensation, as in water droplets on the inside of the glass, I'll get to that when we get finished answering a few questions here. Uh, let's go with my buddy Roger. Hey, Roger, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunchtime Cam Wex. How can I help you, my friend? Yeah, can you still hear me? Yes, I can. Believe it or not, I'm paying hey. attention, brother. All right. Hey, I, I'm driving down the road in a truck. Okay. So if I lose you, that's what happened. Anyway, okay. anyway, back back home, back home, I got these. Uh, uh, I got a house that was built back like in '75, 
and yeah. it's got them, it's got them metal window frames in the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're starting to rust out. I wonder how big a job is that to replace them. Uh, typical, uh, two answers, one, a real big job and the other, a real small job. Uh, those hopper windows, Roger, the tilt type, these are up at the high top part and they just tilt out like a hopper. Is that the one we're talking about? No, no, they're solid windows. They don't move. Oh, they don't move. Um, well, typically these are steel frames poured into the foundation. So the frame basically stays and continues to rust. Uh, so the way that window typically gets replaced uh, is typically with a, a sawzall or a torch or something to take the sash, the glass holder part of it out. So we remove the glass and leave the frame and then insert an insulated window right through at that frame, that existing frame, secure it to the foundation, and then minimal expansion foam around the outside of that to try and insulate and protect that steel from fuster moisture because our, our responsibility then is keep the moisture from getting to that steel and then the rust will stop or at least slow down to a manageable place. You following me there, Roger? Uh, yeah, uh, but you don't replace that frame, that metal frame? No, it's poured three inches into that concrete. If uh, and in some cases we try, you know, the damage is so secure, severe, or we just can't stop the water wicking down from the top, then we will go to that effort and pull that steel out. But that's a, you know, that's a four times as as costly uh, proposition for the homeowner than just leave it in. And and the other side of that, Roger, is typically we'll pull that glass out, wire brush, and paint that steel, trying to protect it. The best we can because it's the last time we're going to see it for 30 years basically so that's kind of the way to do it or it's really if you leave that glass and and you know truth be known there's not a whole ton of improvement energy efficiency that a new window will bring so frankly just wire brushing and and repainting the steel frame is oftentimes you know 50 50 that's the choice of the homeowner because you know it doesn't cost much and you know you know they don't care whether there's a new pretty window there or not but if it is important aesthetically, you re you have to change that window because it will continue to rust whether we paint it or not. Huh. How how are we doing? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What do you okay. want to do? What yeah, are you, you trying can't... to do in your home? That, I I just, just did, I, was, I didn't know I have would, if I would have to uh, replace the whole frame and window or or what I would have to do. I, well. I, I, I didn't know how big of a job it was. Yeah, those window bucks, which is the metal frames. So these things we buy from the foundation company, from the supply. And they basically get nailed into the foundation forms before the concrete gets poured. And then the, f the foundation concrete gets poured into the forms, and it comes around those steel frames, Roger. And they, that steel frame just isn't coming out with anything short of nuclear detonation. Uh, so it's a big deal to remove those frames, which is why we oftentimes just, you know, strip them down, wire brush them, paint them, and then cover them over so that the moisture stops getting to them and then it stops uh, um, uh, rusting. So that's, if you really want it to look good and, and last longer, that that's the place. But you really, all you have to do is re repaint them. Okay. 
Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, you answered my question. Okay. Hey, Roger, be safe out there, brother. Hey, thank you. All right. Take care. There we go. One of our road warriors out on the road, uh, Roger. Uh, thank you, Roger, for you and all your buds uh, doing what you do. So I get to eat my produce and, you know, uh, have my toilet paper and all those goodies that you uh, road warriors out there bring back and forth for me. Um, I don't think anybody says thank you to you often enough. And, uh, you know, I've driven those rigs. You know, that's uh, some of those babies are a ride and a half of a buck and bronco. So uh, thank you for what you guys do and ladies and uh, um, just deep, deep gratitude. Thanks. Uh, I'll take a short pause now and see if I can get back on schedule. I'm a little windy here, folks. I'll get back with it. Uh, We'll adjust my medication and I'll be right back after this. Hey guys, Kevin Wheeler here. Join me weeknights at 6 o'clock for Sports Open Live. We'll cover everything from the Cardinals to the Blues to the local colleges, the national scene, you name it. We've got it covered and we'll have it for you here on Sports Open Live weeknights at 6 o'clock on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. together home improvement scott mosby at your service kmox fifty thousand blowtorch watts coming at you since 1925 yeah yeah 19 yeah oh yeah this this radio station has just a little bit of history and uh again i want to go back to uh, uh my buddy roger who truck driver rolling through the midwest here tuned in uh our signal's big and can be picked up uh for any of you truck drivers out there Thank you. Thank you. And all of you that are delivering, whether it's uh, local, long haul, over the road, whatever it is, man, thank you. Thank you. You are the blood of the country, and you're keeping it rolling. And uh, golly. Uh, so anyway, just, just my gratitude to you all. Uh, let's see what's happening with my buddy, Ed. Hey, Ed, good morning. Welcome to Saturday here on KMOX. How can I help you, friend? Well, my sump pump, yes. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Go ahead, please. So my sump pump in the basement, when it fills up with water, the float is completely underwater. Mm -hmm. And is that right? Shouldn't it be like, and the the well is probably 80% full of water, 85% full of water. Yeah. Shouldn't that that float float kick on before that? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You're seeing it right. And and here's what happens. Uh, if you have a knee that kind of wears out or an ankle or a hip or any of those things, that moving float, um, it generally doesn't move a lot most of the year. So it just kind of hangs there and it atrophies. It, it gets um, used to being not moved just like, you know, if we don't move enough. So when it finally gets wet and that thing goes up, it may not trip. So what I want you to do is basically reach down there, grab that float, shake it around a little bit, lift it up a little bit more. You'll probably trigger it. Uh, The pump will go on and exhaust the water. And what will happen is that pit will likely fill up over and over and over and over again. But exercise it, just like getting out of bed early in the morning for me. You know, I get out and I'm moving pretty slow. It takes me two or three minutes before everything's happy to be in motion again so likewise just exercise it a little if that doesn't do it then you're ready for a new pump and float uh, 
switch. Some people will say, well, the switch is the only part bad. The pump doesn't run. Well, frankly, just uh, I'm a big one for being on the same maintenance cycle, which means, you know, when I burn out one headlight on a car, I change them both because then I, re- I don't have to remember anything. I just know that, you know, in February I changed both uh, headlights. So that kind of thing. So my point is if, you're, if your float switch, uh, whether a float or straight up and down on, on a, a slide bar, Whatever it is, once those things stop working, the uh, reliability of it changes, and it's time to get a new pump in my world. It, it's a ball, and I think the pump is fairly new. I don't think it's that old. Well, I think I think when you reach down there and exercise that float, you're going to find that it works just fine. Uh, and and really, some people I, I advocate, in they have houses that just don't get wet much, but they have drain tile and pits. You know, oftentimes I'll say, go down there with a couple buckets of five gallons of water, fill them up and make that thing work a few times. Get it used to exercising, you know, just like us, you know, motion is lotion. So, mm-hmm. you know, give it yeah. a little exercise just like you and I like to move around. So, well, I've been doing it, up it for a little, the last I think couple of days. I've been doing it for the last couple of days. I, I tied a string to it and just I don't have to bend down. I just pull the string up and empty yeah. the, the well. So I'll, I'll give another couple of days and if it doesn't... Uh, start working properly i'll need to get a new one because it's pretty close to the door <laughs> yeah hey ed you can also adjust that float you know what i mean uh, the other thing is is the swing or the number of inches of wire between the ball and the thing that holds the wire if you shorten that wire from eight inches down to five inches that will trip oh, on yeah. the exhaust so you may need to adjust it as well um and just make that pump come on sooner in the depth of that pit filling up okay this may be funny but i was thinking about tying some styrofoam to the bottom of that ball <laughs> well okay it it's but this is the same thing you're just making that ball come up higher if you shorten the the uh, tether on it which is the wire uh which it's part of the switch then that ball will come straight up up and down you know kind of like a uh you know a buoy or a uh, you know, trot line float, you know, that thing will be pulling pretty hard on that switch. And if that doesn't do it, you're, you're definitely ready for a new pump. Good. Okie doke. Good Good luck, my friend. All right. Thanks, Thanks. Ed. Scott Mosby, home improvement afternoons on KMOX. Let's see who's been waiting. How about Bob? Let's go to Bob. Bob, Scott here. How can I help you today, my friend? Hey, I had a suggestion for that lady that had the screen in or the glass porch on two sides. I had a similar situation, and I I went and got a direct vent fireplace that did a great job. I got it at Forshaw. It was wonderful. They uh, put it in for me and just heated the rooms, got a thermostat on it. It's great for those chilly nights you need, plus it makes it great to sit out there. Oh, nice idea. I like that, Bob. Hey, uh, direct vent means that the exhaust goes right through the backside of that uh, um, fireplace. Basically, it goes through the wall. So, you know, for... It can go right out the back or it can actually go up. It doesn't have to go out the back, but they yeah. showed me how I could do that, and it worked out great. And their people were great. Hey, Carolyn, if you're listening, Bob says uh, direct vent fireplace did the trick for him. Good idea. Hey, Bob, thanks, friend. You're welcome. Bye. Alrighty, bye bye. There we go. All of us is smarter than one of us. Yep, ain't rocket science. So anyway, thanks, Bob. Good thing. Uh, and, and what a direct vent fireplace. Uh, I'm going to get you a little bit into fireplaces here. A uh, regular fireplace, uh, wood burning, 
uh, fuel burning of some sort, whether it's gas log or whatever, um, the, the temperatures and the exhaust are pretty much the same. So you have this big chimney that goes up, whether it's masonry or made out of metal and insulated and all fire, you know, separated and all that. Or basically you do what's called a direct vent, which means it still comes off the top or it can come off the back and the exhaust goes right through the wall, typically off the top of the fire box itself. But instead of going up through the roof, it can go straight through that wall, that glass, if you want, Carolyn. So uh, it's a it's an efficient fireplace. It has uh, when it when it's working right, the carbon monoxide. It's a vented fireplace. I'm still not a big fan of unvented fireplaces. They're more than half of what gets sold today. But if you read the fine print on the instructions, it says when installed in a bedroom, please crack a window. What? So anyway, that's the thing. So anyway, there you go, Carolyn. You have an opportunity to add a fireplace to that thing, and it will uh, it can go on to a thermostat as well and be thermostatically controlled. Let's see what's happening with my friend Peggy. Hey, Peggy, good afternoon, KMOX. How can I help, Peggy? Well, what I was wondering is we had put some that calcium hydroxide on our driveway, mm-hmm. and after, that was at the last snow, and we noticed what was happening is our concrete slab then all of a sudden was getting a lot of popping that the concrete was popping off is there something different that we should use we just thought that was the safest for concrete well any anything (laughs) anything (laughs) that melts snow is not good for concrete Some is less bad. You know, it's kind of like if you can hit yourself on the head with a hammer, a smaller hammer is better. It's like, whoa. (laughs) It's like, thanks Mm -hmm. a lot. It's still going to hurt. So the point being that although, and you get enough age on concrete, concrete starts to deteriorate on its own. Then you get some rock salt in past years. So now the sins are already embedded in that concrete. Then you put something else on. Ten years later, the salt from ten years ago pox that concrete so Mm -hmm. i i can't even say that it's related to your calcium hydroxide there it it just the time happened where you wound up wet with a a a de-icer on it and the concrete finally this was the straw that broke the camel's back but the sin occurred 10 years ago oh okay so it was going to happen any time but (laughs) it just so happened now Peggy, it's St. Louis, you know, concrete and freeze, they they are not good buddies. Okay, so there's really no no product that you could use to prevent that then? No, it's, I mean, even hot water that has no real chemical problem, you're still going to super saturate that concrete. That hot water is going to soak in even more. And then that night when it freezes, it's, since it, penetrated so deeply into the concrete it'll pock as well so even even a material that doesn't have a chemical consequence anything that soaks into concrete freezes and expands i.e water snow ice um you know or water snow and ice carrying salt carrying calcium hydroxide all that stuff is just getting carried in and still freezing expanding and blowing that concrete apart okay all right well thank you for your help today have a good day okay Good question. Thanks, Peggy. Scott Mosby here, KMOX. We are live and lively. Okay, let's spend 30 minutes talking about ice melt. So there's rock salt and there's calcium. No, I'm just messing with you. I know we did all that last week. Sorry. (laughs) We finished. Okay, I'm better now. We're going to take a short pause and come back for more right here on University of KMOX. I'll be better in just a couple minutes. Scott Mosby, right back. 
This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Suburban Leisure Center. Oh, think of that. Oh, little, okay, so Suburban Leisure Center, it's going to be mid-60s the middle of next week. Coming up here soon, I promise. Yeah, yeah, try that on. Sorry, I was messing with you on that snow melt thing there. I, I'm better now. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Joe. Hey, Joe, good afternoon. Scott Mosby here on Camo X. How can I help, sir? Scott, I've got three quick repair items, and I'm uh, repair illiterate, so forgive me. <laughs> I, item number one, um, I have natural stone flooring in my basement, and I have young children, and I have paint on that natural stone flooring. What product is best to remove that paint? None. Uh, none. None. Um, the best way to do that is pellet blast, which is the way that commercial floors, i.e. Labity nuclear power plant, uh, Amazon warehouse floors, all those. When you have a porous stone and then you put a paint on it, then you're effectively contaminating that stone surface. And even if you were to sandblast it, You'll remove most of it, but with it, the stone is actually softer usually than the paint. So in removing the paint, you're going to pock, abrade, and pit the stone surface itself, if it's if it's real stone. Uh, so so what, what is pellet blasting? Who, who does that? Uh, commercial um, industrial floor coating companies that... Um, deal in those uh, warehouse situations and high toxicity places. They're, the guys that finished, like when you take your car in the floor of the garage where you get the car repaired, yep. that's the, that's an acid and an oil resistant finish. The, the issue there is when you're you know buying paint that's $150 a gallon or some similar high price, you know, how well that bonds to the substrate is a big deal. A pellet blast, you know what a Hoover vacuum cleaner looks like with the front snout on it? Sure. Okay, that's kind of what this thing looks like, only they're two, three, four, five, or right on. So basically they take shotgun steel pellets, little tiny ones, throw it down on the floor, and abrade and break the top surface of the concrete off, which removes most of the contaminants, opens up the pores of the concrete, and then whatever they apply in that next application of a liquid coating sticks really well. So that's the deal. And then in a stone finish, since you'd have an irregular surface, um, you'd then have to cream a, a new, an epoxy filler material on there and then recoat it's, it. Basically, the bottom line is it's cheaper to tear up the stone floor and put in a new one than it is to refinish it. Okay, well that's a, that's, that's a bad answer because this floor costs ten grand. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can you know hit the dump uh, button right now and just flush me down the you know air. <laughs> All right, we'll do better on the other two quick questions. Um, <laughs> I'll, my, I'll see if I can do better for you. How's that? Yeah, I, I have a dog that has decided to put her front paws on my beautiful crown molding around my window and yes. taken off stain and left little little grooves yeah any suggestion as to what i do 
Uh, I've been through that, uh, usually with a urethane uh, clear coat finish on a stained. Uh, that's what I did on a home, had the same exact issue. What The grooves oftentimes are the finish only. Sometimes they get down into the surface. But on that crown mold, um, I've refinished those. It's almost the same amount of time to replace the wood as it is to refinish that thing. If you don't have the skills to re- replace the wood, then maybe you go into refinishing. But you're basically stripping it down, sanding it, filling it with a filler, and then refinishing. Which by the time you get to it, it that's a lot of time. Okay, last question. Um, you're, Do you you're like one any half of my questions you, here, brother? You, 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 I don't like your answers, I'll tell you that. Well, you keep uh, man. I'm over two, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so you're about to be one for three. I have a <laughs> very expensive jacuzzi bathtub, and part of the surface, and I'm guessing it's fiberglass, but again, it's above my pay grade. Part of it chipped off an area just about two thirds the size of all my hand. Are there firms that can replace that, or I mean, fix that without replacing the whole tub? Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, and if it's fiberglass, that's really, really good news. Um, because what happens is it, it's it, it's like a Corvette auto body. It's fiberglass. Auto body right. guys fix that stuff all the time. So the reality is if it's a fiberglass tub, um, and, and I learned this the hard way. I had some whiz-bang Kohler shower base come in 30 years ago on a critical tight, tight, tight time schedule. They said, mm-hmm. don't worry, we'll fix it. Well, boy, howdy, can they fix it. So there are companies that refinish fiberglass towel at tubs and all so you betcha you're in good shape even if it's a cultured marble tub um, that's harder to fix because you know you're not really going to refinish the whole thing but they will patch that area and they'll repaint the whole tub if it if it's fiberglass just okay any do you have any names of firms that do that uh call my office uh, mosby building arts we keep a list sure. of uh, companies that do that um and frankly the other side of it is we've got home show season coming up here all those guys are at the home show but uh, we have people that we call on that we trust and we've used before and you know we would use on our own home so you're welcome to call my office at 314-909-1800 scott you're one for three you're you're well, one for three or you're uh, you're a major league hitter i appreciate your help that's scary, isn't it? One out of three and I'm good? Okay, here we go. Thanks, Thank Joe. You, good sir. time. Take Bye-bye. care, brother. Bye now. Uh, let's see what's cooking. Let's see if I can help Eric. Okay, Eric, you're up next. Scott Mosby here. I'll see if I can redeem myself and get, get above 333. <laughs> well, we will see. Hey, okay. I remember previously you talked about your website. Uh, you guys posted a yearly maintenance list where you had it yeah. listed by month. I was, yes. I was like, oh, I need to I need to print that out. I haven't looked at it in a while. I can't find it on your website. Is it still uh, there our, or am I okay. – Call the office. Call that same thing because we, this was such a big deal. Then we did all the website and it was there. And then some things that don't get visited, Google doesn't like it when you have it and nobody uses it. So mm. some of those things we've consciously removed from the website because we were being downgraded as being uh, – Oh, yeah. And not valuable. So uh, I apologize that it it does exist. Give us a call uh, because I think it's a cool thing. I still live by it. I still. Oh, absolutely. Especially if you're like, um, I have a friend that's a new homeowner. I was going to send it to them. And then there's another person I thought of. And it's just like for people who don't know. It's a fantastic resource, right? Well, for for the people that do know, we just don't remember to do it. (laughs) That's fair, too. (laughs) 
<laughs> that is fair, too. So, okay, I will give them a call on Monday. Thank you so much. Thanks, Eric. Take care. 314-909-1800. So uh, it's the annual recommended maintenance list. And at a time, I think we turned that into a monthly emails thing because, you know, it was easier just to say, okay, reminder, hey, Joe, go take your fo- your hose off the faucet. Okay. So that's kind of how that thing went down. So I, I apologize. Uh, as promised here, as promised, I, I talked about earlier that Carolyn in the first caller of the, or second caller of the second hour here had a sunroom that she was having a hard time keeping it warm. Uh, my advice to her was put window coverings on the inside of that glass because, you know, good insulated glass is about an R1.2. R1.2 compared to an R13 or R19 of a wall, you know, built in modern days. And if you get foam insulation in it, those wall insulations get up to R26 and really uh, seriously, you know, they're built like a Coleman cooler. So your house can be really highly insulated. Glass, on the other hand, is a transparent hole in the wall. It just lets the cold out, lets the heat in, all that stuff. So as you put window coverings on it, what happens, as uh, promised, and this ties into the window condensation issue that's on one of the uh, blogs or articles on our website, um, as you trap that moisture, the air stands still and the air becomes an insulator. For example, in the attic and in fibrous insulation, the insulation, the fiberglass, the cellulose, whatever, that, that fiber doesn't do anything. All it does is trap pockets of air and the air becomes the insulator. So the air between your window covering and that cold window surface is what the insulator will be. Well, likewise, if you're not moving that air through there, then you're trapping the air, it's insulating. So now the moisture in that trapped insulating air touches that cold glass surface, just like the iced tea glass in in June and July in the middle of the summer, and the water vapor in the air turns into droplets. So if you have wet windows on the inside surface of the glass, meaning you can touch the moisture, literally it's on the inside of your house, that's, that's not a problem. That's just adjusting the insulation or removing your window coverings. But if the glass is between the two panes of glass, as in fogged uh, glass or uh, uh, that sort of thing, if you can't wash the sweat off the windows, that's bad. You have failed windows, time to replace at least the glass, maybe the window itself. So anyway, if you can wipe the moisture off, then it's usually a good thing. If you can't get to it, it's a bad thing. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, uh, thank you for the two hours. Uh, I, I forget whether I'm on next week or not. Retire Ready is next up on CAMWEX, an afternoon of experts. Good things today on CAMWEX. Uh, thank you all. Be safe. Thanks for tuning in. I've enjoyed myself, and thank you for your kindness in um, allowing me to travel and get away as it is. So uh, life is good. Sun is shining. Weather's good today anyway. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, back later after this.